Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. We are the internet's only Texas Longhorn men's tennis podcast. You can find all of our content on the Burn Orange Nation podcast feed on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you found your podcast feed. Leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe and share it with all of your Friends, well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who promises that we'll do a sign-off this week. Kyle Carpenter, Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm very good. I'm still on island time, so sorry, guys, if I forgot a sign-off. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, I was a little focused on the uh, wedding slash honeymoon slash rum punch and and delicious, delicious cuisine of Barbados. Gerald, I had a I had a roti from Chefette. Upon your recommendation, I went to uh, most of the places you listed, stayed on the beach just down from Rihanna's house. It was wonderful. Everyone on this podcast, we aren't sponsored, but hit us up, Tourism Board of Barbados, if you'd like to be. Um, But you should all take a trip to Barbados at some point in your life. It's unbelievable. I'll take the Grand Barbados Cigar Company. Mount Gay is available. Any travel agents? I'd love to have a travel agent hit us up about trips to Barbados. Sure, just joking. Sure. Uh, so we've got a lot of great stuff for you tonight. Uh, we've got Alan Kenny of uh, Crimson and Cream Machine to preview the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, we've got a, uh, a little bit of down the 40. We thought it was over, but it's back. Down being the 40 is back, and then we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. But before we jump into anything that actually matters, we got to talk about someone or something, excuse me, that doesn't. So there was some flack this week. Uh, Terry Bradshaw uh, was at Louisiana Tech University as their featured alumnus speaking to the team, and he decided to take some shots, not so eloquent shots, 5A quarterback, uh, at Sam Ellinger, uh, saying he's not that good, and trying to fire up the Louisiana Tech Mm -hmm. uh, faithful. And what it did was probably have the exact opposite of his intended effect and gave the Texas Longhorns a team notorious for overlooking their season-opening less-than-opponent under Tom Herman some bulletin board material to come out against Louisiana Tech. Like, what is going on in the bayou. I mean, the, a very sweaty foghorn leghorn wearing suspenders and a shower curtain um, is just out there <laughs> shouting. I say, I say, uh, Sam Ellinger is, 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 is not a good quarter. I mean, Terry, it's, oh man, it's it's probably time just to, it's been it's been a while since he's, he's had anything, you know, very apt to say. I'd say his last good Performance last time I enjoyed seeing him on screen was probably 2006 failure to launch. And we all know Matthew McConaughey carried that vehicle anyways. So, I mean, come on, Terry, what are you doing? This is obviously just the uh, the igniting incident we need, you know, for, for uh, the, the kickoff, the start of Sam Ellinger's Heisman campaign. I mean... Really, just just the novel writes itself at this point. He's just he's just playing into it. It's it's pretty impressive that uh, that Phil Robertson's backup has anything to say about <laughs> um, qualities of quarterbacks. Now, granted, we're gonna we're gonna really make some some Steelers fan uh, mad about this one. Yes, we acknowledge that Terry Bradshaw is actually an incredible NFL quarterback. Legendary, you know, four Super Bowls, all of that. But like, come on. There are this is this is 2019. There are cameras everywhere. Yeah. This is the Twitter generation. Yeah. Like how did you not know that was going to go viral? He clearly didn't have notes. What are you doing? I mean, 
Terry Bradshaw may not have even known who he was talking in front of. He was just, you know, happened to be at a podium. Maybe he was 12 bourbons deep or whatever. But the guy just, you know, he uh, he just got up there and talks. And honestly, if, if you've done as much in your career as you have, and they keep paying him money to talk on air and just be kind of ridiculous, I, I, I get it. You know, he's he's the football Charles Barkley or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's fine. If you put me and I'm that type of, celebrity personality in front of a a crowd of of longhorn faithful i'm gonna talk mess you know about baker mayfield or whoever as well uh, it is funny ironically that, that baker you know started this last week and Kerry, terry continued it um i do think it'd be nice if every every opponent can just you know offer up one famous alumni to um give us bulletin board material every every week that would be good um you know just just kind of keep us uh keep us Aligned and 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 eyes on the prize, you know. This uh, we are one and zero all off season, one and zero against La Tech. So this this should keep that game in perspective. But the thing that was really cool about this, honestly, and I won't spend too much time beyond this, was just the the kind of every uh, every NFL Longhorn coming out and just seeming you know crazy. Like we see him every day. Like this isn't this ain't your guy, Terry. This isn't the one. That you want to take shots at, like the dude is is amazing and looking better yet. Vaquero or Earl Thomas, um, you know, just I think Alex Okafor was there. All these guys that were around, just you know, were were very quick to go on air and and in his defense and just kind of say, "What are you doing?" You know that that that's you're just wrong. And and then the response by Ellinger today, actually, um, to just retweet or quote tweet some analysis of him as a passer uh, with the with the subtle jab at the last two weeks, don't talk about it, be about it. Um, now, granted, you got to prove that you can do those same things on the football field, but that type of response is the type of, I'm just going to call it, the type of swagger I want from, from the quarterback at the University of Texas. Like, I want that guy to walk into a room and know that he is the biggest, baddest man that has ever walked in that room and will ever walk into that room and show it by the way he plays. That's it, man. I, you, you said it. I, I Like I said, this is the, the perfect launch to the, the Sam Heisman uh, campaign. You have the, the video leading into it for the, for the highlight that you submit to the voting committee. So we are 60 days away from kickoff. We're in July, which means we're in the last month of the year without college football. We've got August next on the calendar. Praise whoever you choose to praise. We are in the next week of our season preview. We've got Alan Kenny from uh, Crimson and Cream Machine as well as Blatant Homerism on Twitter. Uh, Alan, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm getting by. How about y'all? Doing good. It's it's hot in Oklahoma today, so I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, quite quite the heat wave. Uh, Texas is not exempt from that either. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, Alan, what we we're just gonna talk for a little bit about about OU, and we've tried to steer away from starting with the quarterback because I think 11 of 12 previews last year started with the quarterback. But <laughs> with with OU, it's kind of the question of of uh, of the moment. Um, they got yet another big name transfer in Jalen Hurts uh, from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, so that means he might win a Heisman this year. Who knows? But his his skill set is pretty different uh, from the last two guys that transferred in and won a Heisman, uh, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Now Jalen Hurts, national championship winning quarterback. Um, but the offense is probably going to look different. So what, what do you expect the offense to look like uh, with Hurts calling the signals? Yeah. 
You know, I think that uh, there there's certainly two schools of thought on this. One is that Hertz is coming in to uh, OU with the intent of, you know, proving that he's a, uh, you know, NFL caliber quarterback wanting to show what he can do. And if that's the case, you know, uh, you know, and, the, and Lincoln Riley envisions that the same way, then you'll get, you know, a similar offense to what you've seen the last few years. Uh, me personally, I think that they'll be more ground oriented um, and, you know, uh, making more use of, uh, the quarterback maybe on design runs or uh, zone read as opposed to what you saw the last couple of years where occasionally, you know, OU was running a quarterback draw or something, but uh, a lot of what Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray picked up on the ground with their legs was in more kind of improvisational situations. I don't think you'll see as much of that with uh, Hertz and, you know, probably a more, you know, kind of uh, move the chains type offense as opposed to a lot, all the big plays you saw of OU lately. Well, and, and I mean, I think like you said, the, the, the running abilities are different. The arm strengths are, are different. We've, we've praised Kyler on this podcast multiple times for just his ability to make, you know, defy angles. He was so quick. He was unbelievably, uh, uh, adept at not taking the big hit and 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 getting out of the way uh Jalen Hurts seems to me like a guy who, who probably doesn't mind though he's not going to take a lot of shots but doesn't mind occasionally putting the uh the shoulder down but it, you know taking his running ability and then adding in the running backs you have with Trey Sermon Kennedy Brooks I mean does this almost evolve into a uh a team that's handing off for every pass or maybe even more so does this become a running first team well, you know, funny enough, I kind of look at Oklahoma last year, at least as, as almost a running first team, you know, I mean, uh, I think that, uh, you know, the difference may, might be that you'll see them, you know, going, getting more to third down, third and short, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, the last couple of years with OU, you saw a lot more kind of uh, explosiveness out of the offense. I mean, I, I look back mm-hmm. at, I think that, uh, I think the Sooners averaged something like eight or nine yards per play on first down last year. Um, you know, I don't think that you're going to get, uh, you know, that necessarily. So, you know, it, it stands to reason if you get eight or nine yards on first down, you're not even getting to third down that often. Uh, you'll see more kind of, you know, more kind of, uh, you know, of those kind of grinded out drives. Um, and, you know, I do think that it'll be a little bit more, uh, ground based using kind of OU's physicality to, uh, you know, really kind of take over, especially as defenses evolve more in the Big 12, I think, to uh, cover more of the, you know, spread it out passing games. And and I think one thing that OU doesn't lack is beef along that offensive line. That's always been the big point of comparison for those that want to complain about Tom Herman's recruiting classes is that, well, OU's getting all of the linemen and how does Texas not? So I think that's probably um, safe to say that OU's got – a uh, some size to run behind. So another guy that's that's returning that Texas fans currently are still having cold sweats about is the one CD Lamb who uh, <laughs> I woke I had a nightmare about him last night. Literally, it was it was awful. Um, <laughs> but he, you know they're losing uh, Hollywood Brown, who was kind of the other guy. He had two thousand plus yard receivers last year, which is just ridiculous. So. Who's the other guy? Who's because you know, they're going to spread the ball around if they if they pass um, even forty percent of what they did last year. So who's going to be the other guy uh, in in at the wideout spot for for OU? Yeah, you know there are a lot of names that you hear here. Um, obviously, Grant Calcaterra is one that uh, you know, but he was around last year and he's you know more of a kind of a flex tight end. You know, I mean he's listed as a tight end, but you know he's that that's kind of just a nominal thing. Um, I you know. 
the uh, guy to watch out for, I guess, would be uh, Charleston Rambo. Uh, he caught a, a touchdown in the Orange Bowl against Alabama. Uh, you know, he kind of was the guy that was playing there uh, out at that uh, Z receiver where Marquise Brown was. Uh, you know, he was kind of backing him up. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he's looked pretty solid, uh, you know, so far. Um, you know, the uh, guys to watch, they've got a couple – well, actually, I guess they've got three freshmen who were, you know, uh, four or five-star guys uh, coming in. One, Jaden Hazelwood from Georgia. Another is uh, Theo Weiss uh, there out of Texas and another Texas kid, uh, Trajan Bridges. Uh, one of those guys, I have a feeling, will end up playing a pretty significant role, may, at, at least one uh, this year. So, I mean, those are some of the names to know. Starting off, uh, look for Rambo to kind of be the guy that – goes out there you know on day one but as the season goes on I, I have a feeling some of those younger guys will work into the rotation yeah i want to ask about hazelwood because like the number four player in the country uh in the in the 2019 class at least according to 24 7 so like he's gonna see the field this year right like there's no way they keep him off it well you know he, the thing is he's behind gonna be behind uh uh cd lamb i suspect which might make it a little tough, but yeah, he'll get on the field somehow. Um, you know, the funny thing though, is that the one that seems to get the most, uh, you know, kind of buzz at this point is Trajan Bridges, who Mm. was maybe the, you know, kind of lowest rated of the three. Uh, you know, that could be just, you know, a a function of where they play him on the, uh, you know, somewhere there in that rotation or not. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of good problems to have. Yeah, oh, the lowest rated, the number sixty-six player in the country. Boohoo! I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna cry myself to sleep over that one. You're not gonna get me <laughs> there, Alan. All, all things relative, for sure. But you know, one thing Gerald did mention earlier. Speaking of recruiting, was how good OU is recruited on the line. I just, I, I was curious if you are have any consternation about kind of plugging those players in when you lose probably the best offensive line in the country. I think last year you lose four starters and and you know, Creed Humphrey being hurt um, through the spring. I mean, is there any worry that that's, you know, going to be a step back or, or going to be an area that, that you're bringing concern to the season with? I mean, there has to be some concern, right? I mean, four players, that's one area where, you know, you know, up there with, you know, quarterback to receiver in terms of where you need chemistry uh, mm-hmm. on a team. Uh, so, you know, OU's got to, you know, have a lot to uh, kind of sort out there in fall camp. Um, you know, looking at it, they've got a good place to start with uh, Creed Humphrey will be kind of anchoring things. But, you're, you know, I mean, a lot of new faces will be making their way up there to the uh, to the starting lineup. You know, it's kind of in this sense, it's it's kind of nice that OU doesn't have a really rocky start to the season. You know, I mean, they've got Houston up for up early. They do have to go to to UCLA, but you know, we'll learn more about this. I, I don't know how much we'll actually know about the line until they end up uh, going up against Texas in that sixth game of the year. But uh, you know. That gives Beedenbo five games to kind of tinker with things. So we'll see where uh, Bill Beedenbo, that is their offensive line coach, gives him a chance to tinker with things there uh, up till uh, you know up till the uh, Red River Shootout. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm terrified to see Bray Walker on that line. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like there, there are very few men that scare me, but six seven three twenty um, as an eighteen year old is ridiculous. So. Uh, um, <laughs> So the other major question, we talked about quarterback. The other major question is the OU defense. And I, I hope I'm not offending you when I say they were bad last year. Like, the, the, yeah, No, that's, I think that that's being charitable. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I did not want to say god-awful, but 
statistically they were they were toward the bottom of the barrel if not at the bottom of the barrel last year they saw a bit of a step up in a couple of spots under Ruffin McNeil but Alex Grinch is going to be the man he's he's kind of an up-and-comer young guy so how do you see this defense kind of change from year to year do you expect this to be a big jump from year to year or are we kind of you know still going to see some growing pains well I mean you know I would, I'd like to say that it couldn't get worse than last year, but, but I felt like I said that after 2017 and uh, we saw what happened, what happened, but no, Mike Stoops uh, is gone though. You got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, you know, uh, I think that, I think that they'll get better. I mean, you know, Grinch isn't a miracle worker, you know? So, I mean, I, it's not gonna be the kind of thing where they, you know, suddenly evolve into one of the best defenses in the conference or in the nation or anything like that. I mean, but you know, I, I do think that they, that they will get better. Uh, you know, one area that, uh, that they can, you know, make a, a lot of big strides in are just those impact plays, you know, stops behind the line of scrimmage turnovers. That's just, it, I mean, I think OU has forced something like 11 turnovers last year, which was near the bomb in the co- entire country. Um, just stuff like that, you know, that uh, instead of just see, watching the defense sit out there and, I mean, you know, it was just uh, so many methodical drives, you know. I mean, you'd see 10, 11, 12, 14, 17 play drives where the defense just out there can't stop them. They just keep coming right at them. You know, I, I think that Grinch makes those kinds of uh, drives i mean you know he's going to be gambling a lot he's going to be you know they're going to be looking to uh, make negative plays get stops in the backfield uh you know they'll they'll probably bust uh give up some busts but you know that's more what he's trying to do it's a high impact pressure you know kind of pressure focused defense so i mean i i think that's uh that'll play well in in the big 12 i think you have some uh you have some chance to kind of see some immediate gains there if that scheme can catch on. Um, I, I do think they will not be 130th out of 130 in pass defense. And, and trust me, I didn't just have to get that. Well, I did have to get that on air. But, <laughs> I mean, so we've talked about a lot here on this podcast. Out of the things we haven't talked about, is there something that we haven't talked about on the podcast or even a storyline that you feel like maybe, you know, around the uh, the – Sooner sphere, the uh, whatever you're calling, kind of the Oklahoma Sooner verse. Um, people are talking about internally, but you don't hear the national coverage or other schools maybe aren't picking up on what's the thread that hasn't been pulled so far. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, one thing that I'm, I'm surprised that I haven't heard as much about is uh, the uh, big changeover in uh, the kicking game. Uh, you know, Austin Seibert going off to the NFL, he handled both the place kicking and uh, punting duties last year. Those move over now to uh, some unknowns. Reeves Munchau uh, will be punting, and then uh, yeah, and then uh, I think uh, Gabe. His last name is spelled B R K I C. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but uh, he sounds like the front runner to be the uh, kicker. Um, you know, I Cyber was really really solid in in both phases, uh, especially last year. That's a you know, those are the kinds of things that can cost you down the line. So, um, you know, that would be one place to watch uh, what happens with OU uh, in the kicking game. Yeah, it's hard to replace 114 career starts um, from him because I think he was there for 10 seasons. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, honest to goodness, like every year I'd be doing my preview, like this guy's still come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, and I think they're recruiting his brother now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I. 
they're those names, right? That you just like, wait, that guy's still in school. Then you're like, oh, that's his brother. That's that's just yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. So now we're going to move into the the rapid fire section where the kind of stuff that we didn't prepare you for. Uh, so be ready for that. So the first one, we're doing this with all of our uh, all of our guests. So we are, we're trying to have them say something nice about their about their chief rival. That'd be really self serving for us to make you say something nice about the Texas Longhorns. That would make things weird. So uh, if you had to say one thing nice about the Oklahoma State Cowboys or Oklahoma State University, what would you say? Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I, Mike Gundy is a, a hell of a coach. He's a guy that I've really underrated for too long. So uh, you know they've got a good football coach. That's, that's nice. Uh, out of everyone, that might be the most earnest response to that. I, I can't, I can't remember what the uh, the Oklahoma State uh, guest said uh, about y'all. I think he said something about the you know your men's gymnastics team. But uh, he, did, he did in fact compliment the men's gymnastics team, <laughs> which which may have been a bit tongue in cheek. Who can tell? Um, but so I, I have one that's uh, maybe maybe uh, easier for you to think about, or maybe not. Um, if you could go back and you could change the NFL fortunes of of, of you know, famous alum who didn't quite make it at the next level, but is a, an all-time icon, the Boz, Mr. Bosworth. You could change his NFL fortune so that he had a long and prosperous career, didn't have the injuries. But in order to, to butterfly affect that timeline, it meant that Vince Young would be not only the greatest college football of all time, which obviously is indisputable, but would also have a similar career in the NFL. Would you push that button? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, man... I'm thinking back to little like six year old me, you know, and the boss <laughs> and how and how much I love the boss back then. So I I'll go ahead and do it. You know what? Like I remember I sent him a letter when I was that when I was that young, uh, asking for his autograph and he sent sent it sent back a glossy with his uh, you know, nice. hand hand uh, autograph and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I'll do that for the boss since he sent me that that picture back. I like I, you know what? You are answering these in earnest and I really, really appreciate <laughs> that about you. Um, okay, so this we'll see if we can trip you up with this one. So after last year's uh, Texas game, Mike Mike Stoops resigned. Um, so if there is there another Oklahoma coach that you'd like to see Texas eliminate this year? Is there somebody that you would say this guy? It doesn't have to be football. It could be basketball, track, whatever. He could be a high school coach. Is there one? Uh, is there one o- Oklahoma coach you'd like to see uh, Texas at least target for this year? Ooh, wow. Yeah, I, man, this is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I. God, I can't think of one right off the bat. I mean, like, you know, Long Kruger's such a nice guy. I kind of, I kind of get annoyed watching his teams, but like, I can't really, I can't make that argument. So it seems like Sherry Cole makes a lot of money. She's done really well, but it might be past her prime. You know, that that's who I'd pick, I guess, if you had, if I had to go with one. Okay, we we did for we did say you had to, so yeah, you had so, to. There you go. Yeah, I have to. All right. <laughs> that was that was yeah. You you met the parameters, but we're still merciful. So this this will bring us nicely into uh, our final question, and because it's a family podcast, we're titling this "Bed Wet or Dead." And and, and I think you've probably played a, a game with a different title, or maybe knew someone who did. The one you're talking about, yeah. All right, and so we will give you three options here. Um, obviously. At least I'll jump right off the page. But we have Toby Keith, country music uh, recording sensation, um, voice of the people, Jim Ross, and Danny Cooksey, Budnick from Salute Your Shorts. All if you had famed OU alums. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. Is he? Is he? Uh, Danny? But is he the one? He's not Donkey Lips, is he? Uh, he was the other bully, the red-haired bully. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, well, okay. I mean, dad's an easy one. Get Toby Keith out of here. Nice. Uh, let's see here. You know, I guess with the, with the bed, I'll guess I'll take a red-haired guy. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Jim Ross, I guess, will get wed, I guess. Ross, uh, yeah. Ross can really cook, man. I, mean, I don't know if you follow his Twitter page, but, man, that's he a, can cook. That's a very reasoned answer. You're very right about that. I've that's, seen that. That's <laughs> pragmatic. You have to live with the my gods, though, from time to time. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I could take it, yeah. Okay, I like it. That's fantastic. You're <laughs> such a good sport, man. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> These are ridiculous questions that two ridiculous people came up with. So I really, we, we really appreciate you taking us seriously because we we don't take ourselves seriously. <laughs> so, Alan, if, if the people want to find more from you on the internet, man, where can they where can they find your work? Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot of writing lately for Crimson and Cream Machine, you know, another SB Nation site. Um, you know, I do some stuff for Athlon Sports. And I'm on Twitter far too often, uh, so you can catch me there at Blatant Homerism. Love it, love it, Perfect. awesome, love it, Alan. Thank you so much for uh, for taking some time out of your uh, your evening to, to spend some time with with two idiots. <laughs> no man, this is a lot of fun, man. Thanks guys so much for uh, inviting me on. Awesome, thank Absolutely. you, sir. So we mentioned it off the top of the show. We got a little bit of a downing the 40 for you. We said the series or season, not series finale, season finale was about a month ago, but we got some stuff, but there's not a ton to it. It's going to have the same great taste as downing the 40, but it's going to be less filling. So we've got downing the 40 ultra for you today. Uh, Great taste, less filling, low calories, lower carbs. Uh, Houston street was elected to the Omaha college hall of fame. And rightfully so Um, one of if not the greatest closers in the history of the university of Texas baseball proved it time and time again, specifically in that 2002 national championship run. Uh, he was also a big part of the 03 and 04 college world series teams. And Kyle, like the impact that Houston had on Texas baseball, especially in the early two thousands, like, he feels like one of those guys like TJ Ford who really kind of set up what Texas baseball would be. And again, you know, TJ Ford, obviously basketball, but what that program would be for the next several years. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's a guy who, who was unbelievable throughout his entire career, obviously for listeners who didn't maybe piece this together. If you came after uh, the Houston street era, he is from the famous street family with obviously James street, um, just an all time longhorn legend, um, but you know, he, he was, he was good. I mean, three-time All-American 41 saves. I think his career ERA is like a 1.3, um, you know, basically a buck and a quarter. If you can get out of playing more than two or three games and that's your ERA, you've done something right. Uh, took it to a rookie of the year award in the pros and played 13 years. Just, just good, solid baseball player. I mean, he, he is exactly what you would want from a UT baseball player. He is exactly what we talk about. You know the Blair Henleys or, or um, some of these um, guys that are that are leaving now, going into the pros or in the past few years. Uh, he's the model. I mean, he's a guy who who uh, did it, did it right, did it without any you know controversy, anything too crazy. Just kind of came in, um, took them to a national championship, and to be the closer in a national championship team uh, is is some pressure and, and and is a tough role to fill, and he did it. I'd say as wonderfully as anyone in the history of our school, at least. And so I think well-deserving. Um, I think um, this was, uh, you know, a long time coming. I don't know if, um, I, I think I saw that this, was this the inaugural class of 
the Omaha College Baseball Hall of Fame. I, I if it wasn't, I, I think you know it, it probably that uh, he's uh, no, it's not. I'm sorry, it, it is absolutely not. I'm I'm 100 wrong on that. But nonetheless, um, this one could have come a few years earlier because I think uh, he's in 2010 he was named to the the Legends team. So they they've recognized his greatness. It was just a matter of getting him enshrined. So huge honor. Um, Unbelievably deserved. He still, to this day, basically 20 years later, holds the record for number of saves in a career in the College World Series. Not not just in a series, but in a career as well as uh, in a series because he had four of his five yeah. in that 0-2 Run uh, so some not so happy news on the bait. Well, ha- we'll call it we'll call it mixed news. Uh, David Hamilton, who missed all of the eighteen and nineteen campaign due to a scooter related incident, uh, announced that he will forego his senior season uh, and sign with the Brewers. Which great for him, but that position really hurt Texas uh, this last year. Kind of some of the defensive inconsistencies uh, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to the thing of you always cheer a guy on. We've said it in football. We said it in basketball. You always cheer a guy on who goes to the next level. Ultimately, at you know, as a college sports podcast, or you know, we we talk about the college aspect of this. But these kids are here to get an education and to also lay the foundation of whatever their future profession will be for a lot of them. It's they get to do that at the next level. And that's awesome. So um, I will never be salty about a guy who chooses to go to the next level and, and apply his trade. I think that the injury is what made it kind of interesting. Cause you think, could he have come back this year and gone higher uh, maybe in, in, you know, like a, a four to fifth round um, or even a third round type pick uh, if he had a really good season, just the, the speed he has, the defense he played, the improvement, especially at the end of um, two seasons ago, we saw him uh, swing the bat. You know, if, if that upward tra- trajectory would have got to keep going, he's the type of player who could have been, you know, picked that high. And, and, you know, if you're thinking about it from a financial perspective, could have made even more money. But again, he's a guy who's dying to do this, probably a lifelong dream, I'm sure. So you can't ever fault a kid for that. Not in the slightest bit. So, uh, some more pro news. NBA rosters. Uh, Jackson Hayes, we we missed talking about it last week because uh, we were in New Orleans. Uh, He was selected ninth by the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Dylan Osikowski signed to the Cavaliers Summer League team. And Snoop Roach, the man we call Snoop, signed with the Charlotte Hornets, I believe also on a Summer League contract. So, so it's good to see guys like Dylan Owen Snoop, who played their heart out for Texas, regardless of how the chip fell at the end of the day getting a, a shot to uh to, to at least make a spot in, a, in an nba team yeah and, and and i think well deserved we'll see you know it's it's a long and arduous journey for even the top ranked rookies um like like haynes to 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 make it but for roach and osikowski they have some proving to do um i always look back at like, the career of a guy like danny green who Again, congrats to Danny Green for winning a, a title, um, but who, you know, went through many trips of the D-League, 10-day contracts, getting cut, never making it, and just worked on his craft, got really good at a couple things, and became, you know, elite NBA talent at that level. I think there's a chance for both uh, of those guys, especially Roach, to to get to that elite level at certain skill set, uh, if he can really lock in the defending and, and continue to improve the three-point shot. He has a, has a chance there to, you know, to, to carve a career out, but... Uh, but yeah, I think I think all three of these guys are great additions to um, what's been a pretty eventful um, 
you know, NBA offseason already. You had the draft, and, and I think you're going to talk, you know, just a second here about the free agents. But Longhorns are, are all over the news, and so hopefully we will uh, we'll continue the trend of basically, you know, ultimately being the uh, the puppeteers who pull the strings of the NBA. Absolutely. So speaking of pulling the strings, the Brooklyn Nets did a thing, and we wouldn't normally talk about the Brooklyn Nets, except Kevin Durant, along with Kyrie Irving, and a guy from that other school in Texas uh, are joining Jarrett Allen on the Brooklyn Nets. So two Longhorns who I really appreciate. Um, I mean, Katie, I took plenty of shots at him for his um, decision to go to Golden State. But you know what? Made the best of it. Turned out to be a, a really great move for his career. Uh, so with that, the Warriors are basically retiring the number 35 for the foreseeable future after just three seasons. Now, granted, he made them one of the most dominant forces in the NBA, but big ups to to, the, to KD and, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, in, <clears throat> in a short span with that team, he, he brought two titles and two finals MVPs. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Um, I think it's a really cool thing that they're they're saying no other player will wear number 35 under the current ownership group. I think that's awesome, whether that's an actual jersey in the Raptors or a de facto retirement. I think it's still TPD, but um, very, very, very cool. Um, I think it's a way of saying, go do your thing, KD, and, and hopefully he will. I mean, teaming up with DeAndre Jordan and and, um, and Kyrie Irving instantly makes Brooklyn one of the most interesting teams in the, for the next kind of three or four years uh, in the NBA. And so just a, just a really cool kind of um, – kind of move because it brings two Longhorns together. Um, Jared Allen is one of those we talked about in the podcast. He's been on lists throughout, you know, this NBA season that just concluded of hottest kind of player, rising star. Um, I wouldn't say totally in the league, but kind of guys who've seen their, you know, from where they were picked to where they are in, in year two versus where their trajectory puts them. He's a guy who kind of the league is catching on now and saying, wow, he's had a really great season. He's really good defensively. Um, got some, you know, defensive player of the year shouts even. Um, so just, uh, you know, really cool that you can watch that team and, and two of its best players uh, will be will be former Longhorns. So really excited to see that. Um, there is another guy, and I just added this to the notes. I don't know if you caught it, but I, Corey Joseph, just right before we recorded this podcast, signed a three-year, $37 million deal to move uh, from the Indiana Pacers out to beautiful Sacramento, California. So shouts to Longhorns secure in the bag. Leaving the bucket hat himself uh, in Indiana, but right. go do your thing, Corey. Um, I'm excited. I'm just I'm just worried that barbers in Brooklyn are going to go out of business with all the all the long hair that's coming into uh, that organization. The kids are not going to want to cut their hair with uh, <laughs> with Kyrie, Kevin, and DeAndre and Jared Allen coming to the end of the fold. Like barbers are going to go out of business. They're going to starve. Think of the barbers. Uh, <laughs> and the last thing we got to talk about today, Texas uh, finished fourth in the Directors Cup. Now, uh, if you don't know what the Directors Cup is, it is a uh, kind of overall kind of measure and analysis of the broad spectrum of sports. So looking across all of the uh, all the different sports, there's kind of it's kind of a weighted um, scoring system. Uh, it also includes academic achievement as well, if I'm not mistaken. But Texas finished fourth behind Stanford, who I think has won for the last a thousand years. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Michigan, Florida, and then Texas uh, in number four, which is a big, big, big accomplishment uh, for the Longhorns as they continue to kind of prove and reprove why they're one of the best brands and schools in college athletics. Yeah, Texas is a, a top 20 finisher, excuse me, a top 10 finisher 20 times out of the 26 years they've had this Director's Cup. They finished as high as second. They haven't won it yet, but they finished second in a one hundred two, a two hundred three, and a four hundred five, and then, like I said, rounding out some top uh, ten finishes. Uh, fourth is is the highest they've been top five uh, the past couple of years. I think they were fifth, if I'm looking at this correctly, last year. Um, it hurts because you look at you know all of the incredible nine Big Twelve championships, all the incredible seasons. Then you look at again women's golf that was in first place and 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 didn't get that finish when it went to the match play part of the the national championship that doesn't count finishing number one in the season doesn't count as a national championship or you know those rankings or again both swimming and diving which um you know any other year one of those two teams probably takes a title home um it's tough it's tough to be to be fourth and think Ah, could have been closer, just barely behind Florida. I think if any school basically finished, any sport finished like one position higher, they jump up to third. Um, and then Michigan's even within sights uh, to move into second there. So um, just a really good year. But it's, it's you know, it's one of those things as a fan. You, you look at it and you're like, oh, what could have been if only uh, women's tennis, you know, had a better round and didn't have these breaks that happened and they went a little higher or you know, women's golf went a little higher. Men's track, to, you know, there's all these things that could have happened. But nonetheless, I want to celebrate. Swimming and diving got second instead of third. Right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> third, unacceptable. But, you know, as a fan, you do that. But it's nonetheless a, a an incredible achievement, and I'll keep tracking it every year until we get get that first place finish. I love it. And now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle. What are you banging the drum on this week? Man, I, I'm excited this week to bang the drum on one of my favorite players. Um, I don't know if it's an all-time favorite. I think so. Um, certainly in my time when I was watching UT and got to see him on campus. But uh, just a guy who's had a really cool career in life and, and journey and, and uh, has been all over the news um, this past weekend. And that's Marquise Goodwin. A man who is so fast that he fears nothing, whether that be runners next to him or jungle beasts um marquise goodwin i mean he he, he posts well i'll start with the low-hanging fruit he posted a picture of himself sitting with a, a bengal tiger next to him again only secure in, in the understanding that he could outrun if he needed uh said tiger um but just you know i guess if, if you're that Cool, you get to do stuff like that. But also this week, uh, maybe the bigger newsworthy piece is that he won the initial 40 yards of gold competition. Um, and with that, the $1 million purse. Um, this was not a thing that I knew about beforehand, but I just saw everyone I knew tweeting about it once it happened. Again, maybe that's the honeymoon. Um, but he won um, against a uh, another Tiger, um, an LSU uh, Tiger um in the in the final Dante Jackson and it was about a point zero five difference so he he really had to to leg it out but uh, it was basically a competition exactly like it sounds like of forty yard dashes um, and hosted by like I said one of my all time favorites in Chad Ocho Cinco so he brought together some of the fastest dudes in the planet uh, or NFL players on the planet Alvin Kamara Ted Ginn Jr who talked a lot 
didn't live up to it. John Franklin the uh, Third, Rogers Cromartie, and, and some others, and got him in there. And, and obviously, who walked away with it was my dude, Marquise Goodwin. And if you've ever seen a man score a touchdown and then immediately be shouted down by Major Payne, um, or you know whoever the uh, Ole Miss ROTC captain who um, went after Marquise Goodwin uh, as he scored in the end zone, and Marquise uh, showed no sign of fear, then you know that Marquise is a bad bad man who fears nothing and will never lose so um shouts to him what a what a what a what a legend longhorn legend neither of those tigers were hurt in the making of marquise goodwin's incredibly impressive week uh so my bang the drum this week is on uh, another podcast that uh swims in the texas longhorn sphere so our director of recruiting Brian Carrington was on uh, the A Tribe Called Yes podcast, which is just a great name. By the way, um, if you want to start an OU podcast, Kyle gave you he's three for three. The Sooniverse is a great name for an OU podcast. Uh, but A Tribe Called Yes uh, with Darren Roberts. He's actually a professor at the University of Texas, and he does um, kind of a, you know, I hate the term self-help, but like a, a personal development uh, podcast. He had Brian Carrington on there uh, last week, and he talked about kind of, just him and his background and his kind of how he broke into this career, kind of his dream career. Uh, but the stuff that was really interesting was his like Twitter methodologies about how and why and what he does to interact with recruits on Twitter. It was just really interesting about how he, you know, kind of subtly triggers Texas Longhorn fans to um, get onto a kid that they're hopefully trying to to get strategically. You know, he, he'll he'll strategically retweet or like a tweet uh, to get a kid on there, and he'll strategically curate who he follows and how many followers he has compared to how many um, he's following to make sure that the ratio is right so that people see him as legitimate. Right? It's just really interesting. You think he's just a guy who's there to um, connect with students, and he is. Um, but the the actual like thought process behind his methodologies is just super, super interesting. He's got a really good story. Um, he talks about his brother who's got, who's got special needs and, and some of the, the charity work he's done there. So it's really, really interesting to just hear Brian Carrington, who's kind of uh, going to become, I think within the next few years, a household name, at least for those of us that follow college football and recruiting. So it was episode 101 of the a Tribe Called Yes podcast with Darren Roberts featuring the man himself, Brian Carrington, B.C., I need a shush soon, man. Get me, get me some good news. I need some recruiting wins, man. Two awesome dudes. I I want to know Brian Carrington so much better. Like he's just every time I hear something about him, he seems so cool. Seems like he's the finger on the pulse of college football in the future, like you said. Uh, but also a, a shout for for Darren Roberts who. DKR Jr. He's Darren K. Roberts um, was a member of Texas Cowboys, um, an alumni, I guess, uh, as same as I was. And uh, so I've met him at a few events and student government events. And just as a guy who has one of the most fascinating lives and careers and um, after UT went to Harvard Law and then coached in the NFL, you know, classic, your classic one, two, three um, journey there. Uh, so, you know, follow the podcast for, for uh the, the shushing and and all things really uh, cool Twitter football verse, but also give it a give it a subscribe um, for for the very cool host and in a really cool subject matter. I love it. Well, that's all we got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Barbados Tourism. Um, you can. F- <laughs> <laughs> kidding kidding but hit me up really though seriously um you can find me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can follow me on twitter i am at gh Goodrich. follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod we're basically trolls 
in the off season. It's basically all we do. And we're also basically trolls during the sports season as well. So if you like some trolliness in your Twitter feed, uh, come hit us up. Uh, that's all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much. Until next time, hook them. Hook them. Camp on a wanna. We hold you in our hearts.